Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and uh, the story of our friendship involves uh, a couple of threesomes. Um, it really does. Yeah, they're really kind of integral to the the mythos of, of how our friendship was formed. <laughs> right, you? probably way more threesomes than the average friendship between people who haven't fucked each other. <laughs> yeah, I would like to know if we could do a study of friends who yeah. haven't fucked each other, how many threesomes statistically they tend to have. I would imagine that it would be between zero and one. <laughs> <laughs> and shit, we double that. Anyway, uh, I'm Bex... <laughs> I am a sex educator and porn performer and have been thinking a lot about, like, there are a lot of things I miss from pre-pandemic times, and, like, the things I think about all the time are play parties and concerts, but recently I've been I've been missing group sex in a way that I haven't in a minute. I'm like, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that before all of this. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting to me, like, as a person who's, like, not really oriented toward group sex, that, like, the people who are really into it who I know, like you and some of the other sex educators I know, it really seems like it fulfills a psychological need for them that is different from one-on-one sex, mm-hmm. uh, and that is something that they come to, like, miss and need um, after a time without it. Like, it seems to be nourishing for them in some way. Yeah, it it very much is like a wholly different experience. Um, and I think, I mean, we'll get into this a, a, li- a little bit more in a bit. Um, but I think also it's interesting that I was like, no, I miss play parties and orgies separately because they are different. Oh, Which interesting. Is also, How do you define the difference? I, well, I, I mean, I do think of it like more of a continuum. Mm-hmm. But... I think of when I'm missing, like, play parties and events, I'm missing existing within a sexually charged space with a lot of different sexy things happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I imagine an orgy or a group sex scenario, I'm thinking of something where I think the boundaries are a little more blurred, Mm -hmm. where it's usually a much smaller space, a much smaller group, a collection of people who are all kind of interacting, whether it's more tangentially or not, whether you, like, couple off into pairs and then kind of mix and then separate into, like, triads and things. Like, it's a little Mm -hmm. more amorphous, but... But I've, I tend to think of a little more interaction between all parties in a more, like, intimate, closed scenario. And that, like, fulfills one thing for me. And then play parties is just more about, like, I don't know, being present in a sexy space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like the difference between, like, when you go to a party where you only know a few people and it's, like, mostly mm. smaller groups versus, like, a party where maybe it's, like, up to 10 people or whatever, but you know all of them really well and they all know each other really well. So there's more, like, these big group conversations, mm. um, which I think is an apt metaphor as well because there are definitely people who prefer one or the other of both of those things, mm-hmm. um, both in in the, like, orgy play party sense and in the conversational sense. Yeah, for sure. So, but what is your experience with um, group sex? Like, aside from the threesomes we kind of alluded to earlier, <laughs> is it a thing you did a lot of? Is it a thing you enjoy or have, a, or you know, etc.? Yeah, I have not done a lot of it. I <laughs> I think my first like group sex related memory was. Um, I had some friends in Toronto who were starting a porn company called Spit, which is still around. Mm -hmm. It's just like it's changed hands a bunch of times. I don't really know what's going on with it. But for Mm -hmm. the launch party for Spit, they were holding like this big 
play party at the Oasis Sex Club, which was billed as like sort of a kinky play party and sort of like an orgy situation. Um, and I was really excited to go. Like, I think I was like fairly recently single. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was stoked to go and I was just going to bring some sex toys and like basically masturbate in a corner because I didn't really know very many people there. And like, I was not (laughs) confident in my abilities to like meet people, which I actually Mm -hmm. think is like a good plan that I made for myself, like knowing exactly what I planned to do and, and having it be a thing that I knew I would feel comfortable doing. But um, I actually like went all the way there and just kind of stood outside and was like, no, I don't think I can do this. And I think I just went and like got a drink or dinner by myself or something. Um, So not an auspicious start. Um, Well, I mean, I don't know. I'd argue that like that's just an extension of still you knowing what you needed in this moment and being like, you know, that's true. Forcing it is not going to end well for me. Yeah. I'm here because I want to have a nice, good evening full of, like, adventure and fun and excitement for me. Right. And 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 evenings full of those things for me look like a solo date night at one of my favorite restaurants. <laughs> like, yeah. I think yeah. that's a, just I mean, an extension of that. I, I was a bit disappointed in myself because, like, I, th- I think, like, sometimes you're right in anxiety that, mm-hmm. like, forcing it is not a good idea. But, like, I know for myself sometimes forcing it can be good. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I end up having such a great time and I'm like, well, I don't even know what I was so worried about. But I think you're right that in that particular situation, I was probably, like, not ready for that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to take a couple swings at something before you actually <laughs> uh, hit it. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I I think that the sum total of my group sex experience is like, I've had, I think four threesomes and I've like been in hotel rooms where there were play parties going on, but usually there was not a lot of playing on my part. Um, I think both because I'm too anxious for that, but also because like, I'm just not really that into it. Like it doesn't really... Mm -hmm turn me on um in theory or in practice which i know is an area where we differ (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean i like as we alluded to earlier i'm a big fan of group sex um i'm a big fan honestly i'm learning more and more of um any environment that lets me feel kind of the collective buildup of energy from lots of humans, mm. right? It almost appeals to me similarly to the way uh, a great concert at a dive bar does. Mm-hmm. Um, just feeling the way people's energies mix together and, like, I don't know, the roller coaster of sexuality and the way, like, in at least my experiences of group sex, there were just little peaks periodically throughout, either from different areas of the room or different areas of the house, as, like, collectively we may be all, like, ambiently sexy and someone over here might be in their afterglow where some two people over there have, like, oh, that person's gonna get off, so they're paying, like, dedicated attention. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, fun. I'm sounding woo as hell, but it's fun seeing, like... No, no, totally. Have, have you ever wh- seen the movie Short Bus? No, I've heard a lot of people oh talk God. about it. Babe, yeah, it you seems would love like it, I and need to. You, yeah. you need to watch it. But there's, I think, one or two big, big orgy scenes in that movie, mm-hmm. and it is depicted the way it is shown. It's almost like a spiritual practice, like it's almost like church. It's it has this mm-hmm. feeling of like reverence and connection and bliss, and that's always like what I wanted group sex to feel like. I don't think I've ever quite achieved that because I think anxiety fucks with me too much. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that's the case with so many of the types of events that you're describing, like going to these, you know, parties or concerts or whatever, like 
it is very difficult to set aside your anxiety if you're anxious about things like that, but it can be such a like transcendent experience when you're able to do that. Oh, for sure. I, I don't know. It feels like, especially because in that moment, you're so vulnerable, you're probably naked. Some bit of your bodily fluids are on at least a great many of those people, right? <laughs> They've seen all the silly faces you make when you come. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's just this little, like, I don't know, bubble of a space that you can kind of create that is, like, ambiently sexy while also just being intimate and fun and connective and... um I don't know, creating something bigger than all of uh, each of you. And that does sound like the way you're talking about this, like, spiritual, transcendent thing. And, like, sure, but (laughs) also sometimes it looks like like me making out with someone and pausing to crack jokes with the person who's just sitting on the other bed (laughs) hanging out with us, right? Um, Like, it doesn't necessarily look like this, like, softly lit orgy scene that are in a lot of these, like, big romantic movie kind of things. Mm -hmm. A lot. We don't get orgies in a lot of movies. That's another another soapbox. Um, (laughs) But it it still feels that way. It still feels important and and fulfilling for me. even if in practice, you know, my ass is getting punched to a Panic at the Disco song while all the other <laughs> queers sing along, right? Like, <laughs> it's church though, sure. <laughs> I'm curious, like, so we're, we've already kind of been dabbling a little bit about this. I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between kind of the fantasy and the reality of group sex, because mm-hmm. I think that's, um, I mean, that's prevalent with any sex act, but particularly here. Um and I'm curious, I don't know, how that evolved. Like, obviously, group sex not a thing you're super into now. Was the fantasy ever a thing that you were into before you, like, knew more about what the reality looked like? Hmm. You know, I think I'm into the sort of, like, kinship element that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Like, the feeling of, like, we're all in this together and we're doing a thing together and um, camaraderie and that kind of thing. But, like, the actual sexual parts really tend to stress me out. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of it comes from, like, I think a very common anxiety and problem that people run into with group sex and especially with, like, odd-numbered group sex, which is, like, (laughs) there will be moments during the proceedings where you are left out of something or you Mm -hmm. feel left out of something, whether or not you're actually being, you know, actively shut out of it. Um, And that's kind of the part that is not so present in fantasies. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're super anxious and your fantasies are more like ruminations of (laughs) horrible things that could happen, like like mine are. But Mm -hmm. um, I think like so often in fantasy, it's just like everybody's doing stuff to everybody and you're involved in the, you know, the heart of the action at all times and everybody's attracted to everybody. Everybody's attracted to you, like, you Mm -hmm. know. But then when you get there, like just by the very nature of humanity, not everybody is going to be attracted to everybody. Not everybody in the room is going to be attracted to you or want to do stuff with you. Um, mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to be doing stuff to or with you at any given moment. Um, so that's maybe one of the areas of, of disconnect between fantasy and reality for me, because like as soon as that starts to happen in a real life group sex scenario, that's when I go into my anxiety spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it has been a few years since I've had group sex and I have had a lot of therapy in that time. So I do feel like I've developed like a little bit more space in between like stimulus and reaction. So maybe <laughs> I would have a little bit more space to kind of go, okay, well, those two people are making out, but 
that is not a reflection on me or on my hotness or on whether I can or should get laid tonight uh, or any of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> my experience of group sex has basically been a whole lot of fighting through anxiety. And uh, I am actually curious, you know, how that would be different now. Mm-hmm. I think I find that so fascinating because I absolutely understand that feeling and I think it's a pretty common one for folks when they're like considering exploring group sex for the first time. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, that is the thing I love about group sex. Ooh, tell because, me more. Yeah, so for me, so one of the things I think a lot of people really deeply enjoy, and I do too, about uh, one-on-one sex with another person is that in those moments, more or less 100% of your attention is on that other person in Mm -hmm. that moment, right? And that person is returning that 100% of attention to you. And that creates this like beautiful little moment that's really fun to explore um, and can also be really stressful for me in the same way that one-on-one conversations are more stressful for me than group ones. Mm. Um, And it ties in a lot to um, a lot of like shit from my childhood around... uh, feeling like I had to be entertainment or make everyone feel better or like kind of the peacemaker thing all of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can find myself falling into that place with, uh, or, or, you know, stumbling upon those same anxieties in a lot of these one-on-one interactions, particularly conversationally. Um, Because, you know, I'm great at sex and I don't get anxious there at all. Um, (laughs) But it is it is an environment I feel a a little more confident in. And you can distract people from being demanding of you by making them come. Um, (laughs) But in group environments, I am able to just step back and like fully feel okay that the other two people are entertaining themselves and having a great time. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, I can just like turn inward and like reflect on, wow, look at these hot people like right the fuck in front of me doing these hot things hmm what do i want to do next (laughs) i'm gonna bend them over that would be a great idea okay and then i can jump back in (laughs) and it's it's this moment of like wow they fully are not paying attention to me in this moment and i can just take a deep breath and make my next decision and Mm -hmm. it's like peaceful in a way that one-on-one sex requires me to be capital O on, mm-hmm. um, which is also a way to make me feel like I've been good at a thing that I've been focusing at for a very long time, which is a different kind of good feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of what we were talking about, about filling different needs. That's really interesting and makes me think about, you know, being at middle school dances or in the high school cafeteria and that feeling, mm-hmm. which is like a huge social anxiety trigger for me of like looking around and being like, I'm alone and I don't know who to sit with. And people are starting to notice that I'm alone and don't know who mm-hmm. to sit with. And they're starting to stare at me and maybe judge me. And that's making me feel even more alone. And like, I don't know who to sit with. And like, that's a very common feeling for me in particularly like bigger group sex scenarios. Mm-hmm. But I think that what you just brought up there for me is like, as with so many things involving social anxiety, people notice you less than you think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the, maybe the antidote to feeling like you're a loser because you're alone at the group sex party is realizing that if you are alone at the group sex party, probably the other people are not looking <laughs> 
alone you are. So you can like, as you said, like put together a strategy, take some steps, figure out what you're going to do next uh, Mm -hmm. and make a plan. And that is empowering. That is something that makes me feel a little bit better about the situation. Yeah. And bringing up that uh, middle school, high school thing, one of my like go-to jokes in that age range was that socializing was a spectator sport. (laughs) Um, Because I would find great joy in going into those environments and being like, where do I sit? Well, in like the place least likely to be noticed so I can see what weird shit the rest of you are up to. (laughs) And weirdly, people thought I was neurotypical. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Who'd have thunk? So one thing that's interesting um, is we've been in a pandemic for a year now. That's not interesting. But a thing that has popped up alongside that is a lot. I've seen at least a lot of digital group sex events Mm -hmm. um, advertised, whether I'm seeing like sex workers and queer friends of mine just talking about getting a lot of their cuties together for a Zoom night or uh, some of the sex parties that I used to go to in New York City have moved online and they have, you know, um, once a month or every couple of weeks or whatever, orgies on Zoom where you can get on and meet a bunch of strangers and jerk off together. Um, I'm curious if that's, it's not something I've done uh, during a pandemic. I'm curious it's, or I mean, otherwise, I'm curious if you've ever engaged in anything like that or like would consider it. I find these very fascinating. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching a body storytelling the other night. They had a really, really mm. great Valentine's Day special show. And they have a thing where you can pay uh, an additional fee to be either a voyeur or an exhibitionist, which is where Ooh. you get to be in their gallery of like Zoom spectators um, mm. who are on the screen during the show or during parts of the show. And it was really cool to see everybody like getting dressed up. And like, clearly these are people who are actual exhibitionists, like who take great joy in doing this. Cause like Mm -hmm. some of them had on like their full on like clown fetish costumes or like old school classic lingerie, just like really wild, amazing outfits and makeup and stuff. And it was really cool. But I was looking at that and just being like, this is so not me. This is so not a thing that I would do. Um, And I think this is why I find like Zoom orgies and stuff so fascinating. Because for me, that is all the things I don't like about group sex and almost none of the things that I do like about it. Yep. Um, (laughs) It's everybody able to stare at me at all times, and me able to see what everybody else is doing at all times and not being able to uh, like zoom in on one particular interaction. I mean, I guess there are some, you know, settings where you can do that, like kind of have like a breakout group or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is what I struggle with with Zoom parties in general. I actually have to go to a family Zoom party right after this recording, oh, no. so I'm, I'm thinking about it. But it's like for for an introvert or for a certain type of person, like I, just being in a big group with no ability to split off is such a nightmare because I'm just not going to speak in that type yeah. of scenario because everybody who is more extroverted than me will speak more than I do and I will feel unable to contribute. And I feel very similarly about these like digital orgies. Like I just don't think it would work that well for me. Although at the same time, there is something maybe lower pressure about it not being in person. Because if I do Mm -hmm. just want to sit there and watch and jerk off, like it's not really going to be an issue. Nobody's going to, you know, think that that's weird or whatever. So I don't know. There's pluses and minuses. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I have the same issue you do with like zoom parties in that 
not only can, like, everyone look at me, but I have no way of knowing who's looking at me. Right. At any given time, right? Like, if you're in a party, you can at least tell, like, in the moment, like, I don't know, if I gotta scratch my dick, I can tell if there's a second where no one's looking at me, and I can just, like, (laughs) adjust some shit. Like, you have those little moments that, like, you don't even really think about it, but that you're, like, scanning for when you're at a party, and you have these moments, and, like... And the same thing you were saying about you're not going to talk. There is very little that I have to say at a group event that I need to say to everyone at that group. Right, exactly. My humor is usually not the most fun stuff. Like, the most fun stuff is the little, like, sideways whispers to somebody, I think. Exactly. I'm most interesting when I'm saying, like, wild out-of-pocket shit to three people that can hear me. That's... (laughs) I don't... That's... I'm at my most charming then. We don't need to, like... I don't need to stop the whole room to make one dumb joke that's gonna make the one person I would have said it to laugh. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Um, my... When I'm on a family Zoom call, sometimes my brother will, like, private message me just to sort of (laughs) keep a running commentary on what's going on on screen and we'll just try to like make each other laugh um but then i found out that there's like security issues with zoom where like if somebody was if the host of the event was to download the entire chat log they would see all your private messages uh, apparently um i hate that zoom denies that this is true but a bunch of people have reported that this is the case so now i'm a little paranoid now i'll, now I'll take it to text instead <laughs> That's reasonable. Yeah, no, that's my brother and I at any, like, family event as well. We have just our, like, running commentary in the corner, and it just... We've tried to do a couple of Zoom calls, you know, big Italian family, so... (laughs) We're all, like, clustered in a couple of different houses, and we all got on Zoom and only talked to the people in our own house. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother and I are like, why is this happening? Um, But anyway, orgies, not family Zoom calls. Very different conversation. I'm just going to put a hard stop and segue to the other one. Well, wait, (laughs) I I have another thought on this. Um, Oh, no. You know, I was thinking about family parties and the times in which I feel most comfortable at family parties. And one of the times Mm -hmm. I actually feel really comfortable at family parties is when someone says to me, like, hey, Kate, tell us about the book you're working on. Or like, hey, Kate, Mm -hmm. play us a song on the piano. Like a very structured and specific request where attention is now on me, but I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I think like if I was going to do an online group sex scenario or even in-person group sex, honestly, that would work well for my type of brain, I think it would be like, all right, and now's the time that we're all going to look at this person who's going to volunteer to do something. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, I obviously don't force anybody to be in the spotlight if they don't want to, but I think that I would feel much more comfortable like in a more structured scenario, which is maybe why like, truth or dare and spin the bottle type games work Mm. best for me if I'm trying to get flirty in a group situation because I know exactly what I need to do. I don't need to be there worrying if I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that brings me to kind of what I was thinking. The only circumstance in which I would feel, I think, okay in a group sex scenario or in an online group sex scenario is if I went to an event with my partner. Mm -hmm. Um. And the idea was we were going to have a scene, and during that scene, there was going to be a camera in the corner of the room that was streaming to a bunch of other perverts at this other party. Mm -hmm. And if we wanted to, we could glance at the screen and see all the pervy things that they were doing, and maybe some people would be just, like, focused on us and jerking off, and maybe some people would be doing kind of what we're doing. Um, But it would allow me to have... uh, 
to, to be distracted at least a little bit from just staring at Zoom and trying to <laughs> f- figure out if I look hot, but also does everyone else look hot? Right. Um, because for me, exhibitionism is about like feeling other people being into it. And I don't get any of that collective, I don't know, energy of human experience that I would get in a room full of people where I can like sense people watching me at different times or I can like, you know, it's just like, I, I get nothing back. And I know that's true because I can feel that being true when I teach online, mm-hmm. which is already a notably different experience. And I think it would, I would get way too lost in anxiety spiral doing that alone. But if I was with a partner, they would be able to kind of distract me away from that. And I would feel hot for them, regardless of if I felt hot for everyone online. Right. And you mentioned also, like, being able to see yourself on the screen, which Mm -hmm. I find to be, like, a really key part of my lack of enjoyment of (laughs) Zoom events. Um, And as we were talking about this, I was thinking about, like, part of what I enjoy about being sexy in a group situation, whether it's, like, at a makeout party or just, like, performing at a sexy event or whatever, is that my own image of myself which is not very good most of the time is able to sort of fade away and I'm Mm -hmm. able to just sort of live in this world where like the desire that people feel for me uh, I can feel it and I can accept it Um, and I just am that person who I who they Mm -hmm. perceive me to be that that desirable type of person or at least I feel that I am and I think like there's something about having my own face on the screen in front of me that just takes me out of it whenever I see it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm not actually hot. And, like, the thing is, it doesn't matter that I am actually hot. That's not, like, even what I'm talking about here. It's just, like, I get distracted because I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot that, like, I'm ugly and should therefore act like an ugly person. I don't know. Like, it's just this really weird, like, mental thing that happens. Sometimes I've, like, literally put a Post-it note over my own face on the screen. (laughs) No, I I, I totally get that. No, I, I could see that, and I could see how that could be struck. Like, I'm Narcissus over here. I like watching myself jerk off. Um, but at the same time, that is a thing I usually do alone when mm-hmm. I'm filming myself. And I don't know... Um, I don't know. Like... Because I deeply enjoy getting high and watching myself jerk off in the camera or in a mirror or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll just, like, stare at my own dick as I'm getting off and and all of those things. Less the faces I make, but (laughs) etc. And I don't know what it would be like to blend that with a social experience in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it would almost be weird for me being, like... That little square is, like, me and my dick, and we are having our alone little experience like we often do. Oh, but the rest of the squares are full of other great dicks <laughs> that I also care about. Hang on. Um, <laughs> which uh, would be interesting and is, I think, part of why I would want, like, another person here with me to kind of serve as, like, both a distraction and assistance in helping me focus on what I'm doing. Yeah, I definitely think it would be much more like centering um, and enjoyable yeah. to to be on one of those with a partner for sure. So one of the things I did, I also kind of wanted to touch on is um, we're we're going to move into listener questions in a little bit, where we have a lot of questions uh, about negotiating group sex and that sort of thing. But one of the things I wanted to touch on before we get there is 
kind of the difference between negotiating group sex when you're going into it as a couple versus a solo person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of the things you need to keep in mind in those circumstances. So I'm curious if you could tell me anything that kind of comes to mind for that and what might be different there. Yeah, I think um, it's usually good in my experience to have like a, like two negotiations essentially, like one with your partner mm-hmm. before you go and one like with other people once you're there. Um, because as a couple, it's good to know like what your game plan is as far as like doing stuff with other people, like what is and is Mm -hmm. not okay, because you're not necessarily going to feel comfortable getting into those like intimate discussions in front of all these other people, depending on how intimate the stuff is. Like maybe Mm -hmm. one of the things is like, I don't want you to do X, Y, Z sexual activity because I'm in a weird place with that with regards to jealousy or like, I don't want to do stuff involving this part of my body because of like a, a, you know, a psychological thing I'm going through lately or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe you want to get, you know, some of those like more intimate boundaries set before you go to the party. I also think you can totally do this if you're going to a party alone. Uh, and mm-hmm. I have found that like some of my best experiences at like sex events have been if I actually took the time beforehand to like set an intention with myself really clearly of like, what is my goal tonight? Do I want to have good conversations with three people? Do I want to get spanked by one person? Am I up for like full on sex with somebody? Am I up for going mm-hmm. back to somebody else's house after? Um, you can always change your answers. Uh, I mean, if if it's a solo negotiation, obviously, if it's a, <laughs> with more than one person, probably don't you know assume that their answers are going to change later. Um, Mm -hmm. but you can always change your answers later, but I think it's good to have like guiding principles for yourself, um, so that you know what to do because that environment can be really overwhelming and it can be really easy to get swept away. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And while I do think it's important for you to kind of calibrate your expectations, if you're going into this with a partner to kind of calibrate your expectations with your partner ahead of time. Uh, I do think it is also important to make sure that when you're speaking to the person or people you're hoping to engage in group sex with, you are doing so as individuals as well as as a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, If possible, have at least one or two chances for each of you to be one-on-one with this person. And it doesn't have to be for like a full date, but maybe someone goes and grabs drinks and is gone for 15 minutes and comes back, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Chances for you to kind of build up rapport. I know in group sex scenarios, I have been... um, Plenty of times I've been the person who knows the most people in this situation, mm-hmm. right? Or knows the most people well enough. Ah, they've met in passing and they're meeting tonight, but I have a prolonged friendship, relationship, etc. with several of these people. When you So especially, I think, when you are that person, even if you're here you know, with your partner and negotiating with, say, several friends or other people you know. Uh, Take time away from your partner to negotiate with them one-on-one so that they may feel more comfortable telling you, someone they're closer to, something uh, when your partner is maybe not necessarily around, right? You want to give everyone a chance to be fairly candid because if you're coming into this as a couple, you have a degree of privilege there in that... uh, it is assumed that you're just both going to back each other up. Mm-hmm. And if this is a threesome scenario and you're play you're trying to bring a third in, well that third is already like is going to lose any vote. They mm-hmm. already know it. 
Um, so as much as you can kind of counteract that power imbalance, I think it would behoove you to do so. Yeah. So similarly, and I guess in a little bit more fun of a direction, if you are uh, the person hosting the group sex event or the play party or whatever, uh, how do you kind of set up your space for that? What kind of things do you like to have ready for particularly group sex versus just, you know, creating a good space for sexy times? Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, you're going to want to lay out condoms, gloves, Mm -hmm. good quality lubes and stuff. Um, I don't think I'm the type of person who would ever plan an orgy, but if I was going to, um, presumably it would be with friends who are similarly nerdy to me. So I would probably Mm -hmm. try to do some kind of like Google form or something. Um, Mm. Get everybody's pronouns, uh, sex acts you might potentially be up for. Are you down to top or bottom? Obviously, you can change your answers at any time. Um, And then also stuff like access needs Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like physical disability as well as like uh, emotional or mental factors. Um, So because like, you know, if you are planning a party – uh, and it's 15 people and eight of those people say, I, I'm really socially anxious. Um, maybe we could have like icebreaker games or something. Then you know that you should probably do icebreaker games. Um, mm-hmm. Not every group is going to need stuff like that. But it would be cool to be able to listen to like the specific group. Um, and uh, yeah, even if I was not going to like formally have some kind of icebreaker game, I would probably want to have some stuff around that would allow people to play those types of games on their own if they decided to. So like Mm -hmm. a twister board or like a bowl of, uh, truth or dares written on slips of paper or Mm -hmm. whatever it's going to be. Um, because those are so great for people who are feeling a little bit awkward and, uh, and don't really know what to with themselves and then also like one more thing is i would want to have like a clear policy around consent and intoxicants Mm -hmm. um that would be quite an undertaking to write something that really like captured all the you know potential um sides of that issue but that's like Mm -hmm. a really important piece for me i think in group sex and in sex in general and i personally believe that like people should uh, be able to combine intoxicants with sex safely if they want to. Although also I think that there's definitely a space for like events that explicitly do not allow that. Um, Mm. but if I was going to plan one, I think probably I would, I would, you know, allow for that. I would just want to write a really clear policy on it. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, Yeah, I mean, the endeavors that would go into particularly, like, a capital E event versus my sexy friends are going to come over and put their dicks in my holes um, (laughs) is is very different. Um, But I do think, like, in in terms of an event, that is definitely something I would want. Um, I've also seen a lot of play events that... um, use wristbands or some other sort of color coding system to indicate things like I'm just here to watch or I'm looking for people to have sex with I'm looking for people to do kink things with Mm -hmm. I'm shy so I'm looking to be approached and talked to because Mm -hmm. I won't come approach you Mm -hmm. um or I'm not looking to be approached I'll come talk to you if I'm if I'm interested don't you worry about it (laughs) um and I think that's uh, a, a great way to kind of uh, infuse just a little, like, very basic negotiation of just, like, hi, come be my friend um, in, in a larger event. 
Um, I think in a more intimate event, that was just like me inviting a couple of folks over to, you know, I don't know, watch a movie and then DP me later. (laughs) Um, I would definitely want, like you talked about, uh, a spread of condoms and lube. And in this environment, I'd probably want to have a couple of different brands and sizing. Yep. um, Just because there are several people um, involved. Also, if you can get your hands on them, internal condoms are great for this Mm. because it will allow uh, someone to switch holes without switching a condom, Mm -hmm. right? If two different people have internal condoms in them, someone isn't going to have to, like, switch off their junk to go back and forth between fucking you, which is neat. Switch off their junk. I mean, I guess if it's a (laughs) strap-on. Um... I would also, like, go through my toys and make sure, like, a couple of different types are charged and things. I would have a fuck ton of baby wipes um, just for, like, quick cleaning off in between. Because, again, group scenes, I find, have more lulls or, like, well, I'm going to take a breather on my refractory period while you do (laughs) things. Um, Yeah. And I I like to, like, briefly clean up in between without, like, being like, well, I'm going to waddle my way over the shower. (laughs) <laughs> ah, we're good. <laughs> um, I would definitely have snacks, either high sugar and or high protein, because I'm a kinky perv and someone's probably getting beaten. <laughs> um, or honestly, like, even DP'd or, like, bottoming to some intense fucking sex will get, need me aftercare. Mm-hmm. Um, and mirrors, because <laughs> mirrors I'm a perv. Are good. Yes, Annie. I recently hung a mirror that I can see from my bed. Oh, I'm delighted. It's wonderful for you. Yes. So good. Um, All right, I think we got some listener questions, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, This one is interesting. I don't know if we're going to have answers for this, but uh, Mm. any tips for folks that have avoided group sex due to sensory issues? Um, this person didn't elaborate. I know sometimes sensory issues can be part of autism. Um, I don't have a ton of knowledge about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this? <sighs> yeah, I mean, to some degree. I like I definitely experience sensory issues. Um, ADHD is fairly adjacent to autism. Um, <laughs> I haven't ruled out the possibility that I'm somewhere on the spectrum. Um, but I am struggling a bit because for me, part of what I love about group sex is that, um, it, particularly when I'm feeling understemmed, which may have something to do with why I'm craving it so much now, mm-hmm. is that it is exciting and overwhelming and like a lot, um, which is a special occasion thing for me. I do need to be in the right mindset. Uh, there are other times where, the kinds of sensory things that I would feel would be really, really overwhelming and upsetting. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think if it is a thing that you feel drawn to, um, I would explore (sighs) which of your senses is most likely to become uncomfortably overstimmed. For me, it's my skin. My skin does all kinds of weird stuff. I have weird feelings around touch when my sensory issues are going off. Um, Sometimes I'll feel like things are crawling under my skin or something. It's not great. Um, For my partner, it's sound. There are a lot of sounds that they really hate um, that would be really overwhelming or just put them on edge. Um, So you can think about which 
senses can be particularly overwhelming for you and think about ways to balance them, right? Are you wearing earplugs? Do we put a blindfold on you? Um, do we play some sort of game with how the rest of the people in the group pay attention to you, right? Um, maybe one of them is allowed to touch you at a time, but you're tied down and blindfolded and they're going to take turns touching you so that you're not getting overwhelmed with a lot of sensation, but you do get to experience a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you are involved in the group sex and you're watching. Um, So I think (laughs) you really need to drill down to the specifics of what it is that is uncomfortable um, and problem solve there. Yeah. Yeah. I think watching first is probably a great idea um, Mm because then you can decide when or if or how you want to insert yourself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also reminded of a friend of ours who has sensory issues with touching certain types of unvarnished wood. And Mm. um, we were like having a spanking party once and they were like, yeah, I can't use like this wooden spoon and like this wooden cutting board because they're like scratchy and weird. Um, Mm -hmm. which makes me wonder, like, uh, depending on what you're planning on doing at these group sex scenarios, like maybe bringing your own tools, implements, toys would be helpful because then they're familiar Mm -hmm. to you and you can pick only ones that you're okay with. The other side of that is, are there things that you find comforting Mm -hmm. when you're overstimmed, um, that would be helpful? I've gotten fucked under my weighted blanket. Like... (laughs) Way more than once. Like, (laughs) I've, like, my partner has um, tied me up because I find rope really, really relaxing when I'm overstimmed because there's just nothing I can do except relax into it. Um, So I've been tied up under my weighted blanket and then fucked. And that was super relaxing and the weight and the, like, sensory depth kind of environment, right? I I had a blindfold on because I'm also visually so easily overstimmed when I'm getting fucked. Like, my eyes just turn off. We can't... That's too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And just that little cocoon of, like, comfort and still being able to experience sexy things was really, really fucking delightful. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe there's something that you bring into the environment that you're like, hey, this is grounding and comforting for me, and also I want to experience all these other, like, exciting and different things. Mm Mm-hmm. This person is wondering how big of a group is too big. Uh, And this is pre or post pandemic again, folks really cannot (laughs) emphasize that enough. Um, I know that there are some people having group sex with their pods, which is okay. As long as like, you're actually, you know, taking the proper precautions involved in being a pod. Um, But uh, how big Mm -hmm. of a group is too big? Um, This just really vastly depends on you, on the people involved, their relationships, the size of the space. Uh, personally, I have found that when it gets to about eight or more, that's when it starts to feel too big for me. Um, Mm -hmm. but also at the same time, like once you get to a really big size, like maybe like 30 plus, that's like a different vibe and can be nice in a different way because then you're kind of invisible, uh, in a certain way. So yeah, I don't, there's definitely not like a one size fits all answer for this question. Yeah, I mean, for me, my question is, it depends on what you're trying to create, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If you're trying to minimize the amount of time that you're not going to be fucking or getting fucked, like actively being touched, a threesome or a four-way is probably like your sweet spot, Mm -hmm. right? 
Um, and I would say, you know, upwards of... This is a conversational rule, but I do think it kind of tracks with sex. Uh, upwards of five or six people, you will start clustering off into smaller groups. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of human nature, right? You, It's really difficult to maintain a conversation where seven people are actively contributing on all the same thing, right? <laughs> You're going to have a group of three and four, mm-hmm. and they're going to be talking about similar or slightly different things. Somewhere Unless you're on a Zoom party. Exactly, which is why they're weird. Anyway, um, (laughs) but I do think that's also true of group sex, right? So if you are expecting an environment where everyone is going to be interacting with each other all of the time and you're all going to have sexy things, like sexy experiences with each other, I wouldn't go more than three, four, five people, right? Mm -hmm. If you're trying to just like kind of create a room full of sexy environments that's a little more amorphous that's a little more like sexy things happening over here while people are like sharing chips and chatting and then that's gonna like you know whatever then yeah i think what you're talking about in like the 10 15 whatever um and then i do i think when you approach like 20 30 etc um you're looking at a capital e event and a party space and like that's a different vibe, and I wouldn't necessarily... Sure, I'm sure you could arrange group sex with a group that large, but I, it feels very different to me mm-hmm. when, at least in my experience, of sexy environments with that many people in them. Mm-hmm. This person is wondering about the best ways to check in to make sure everyone is feeling good during the group sex. Uh, I think a really important thing for this is there should be a defined um, shared idea among the group of like who is responsible for this because uh, you might actually be on different pages about that. There are some events uh, and parties and stuff where it is understood that the host of the event is in some sense in charge of um, maintaining consent and comfort and safety in the space. Whereas there are others where it's more just like a one-on-one basis or a, you know, individual basis of like, you are trusted to manage the consent and safety of your own encounters. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are some that are a combination or whatever. Um, So it's good to know like who, you know, who you can go to at the event if there's like a consent Mm -hmm. violation or like, um, you know, who might be watching out or if nobody is watching out, that's also good to know. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on, checking in yeah i mean in practice for me it's again right like we're, we're talking about the difference between a big event and like a small hey i'm fucking these few people <laughs> right um and i think if we're talking in the like more specific instance of me and you know three other people in a hotel room having a grand old time mm-hmm. um my check-ins don't look all that different than they would look on in one-on-one sex Mm -hmm. um i'm keeping an eye out for people's demeanor changing dramatically um i i probably do take opportunities to check in like individually like i'm not gonna be like yo everyone's still doing good we good (laughs) great i go team like that's not i would probably take moments to like ah when i am having a particularly connective moment with this person that i am playing with i will look them in the eye and say you're doing okay everything still feel good Mm -hmm. what do you want right now um 
I will like, do you like the way it feels when I, mm-hmm. um, I will tend to incorporate it into sexy things or I will even give them choices, right? Do you want me to do this or do you want to do that? And seeing them actively choose the next step in what happens to them is a degree of buy-in. I don't need to sit down and say, hey, are you okay with every single thing that's happening to you in this moment? Mm -hmm. I can elicit some sort of contribution from them about, about what's happening and monitor how they're feeling and set up, you know, create space where I'm confident that they feel comfortable telling me if the way they're feeling changes, you know, we've had conversations before we sat down and started having group sex. Presumably I have at least some kind of rapport with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think while it is certainly like a larger, more complicated thing, when it comes to consent, that is still something I... <laughs> I don't know, it, it still breaks down to about the same and the same kind of one-on-one conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like trying to do consent in a big group situation um, can be really tricky in part because of the dynamic I was talking about earlier with like uh, if you're a shy person or a quiet or anxious person, um, even if somebody does you know, shout to the group, is everybody okay? Is everybody consenting, um, you may not feel comfortable like actually saying something if that's not the case, especially, uh, you know, if you're not wanting to hurt the feelings of the person you're playing with. Um, and I think like a a lot of the work, uh, that you can do to like manage this problem is create an environment where consent is like really explicitly valued and prioritized. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen this done really well at the New York hypno kinksters meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, like they have like a, a very long negotiation before, uh, they do like scenes, um, in the koala box, I think is the name of the thing they do. Um, Mm -hmm. And during the negotiation, which like everybody in the group is watching, like any if anybody in the group, even a spectator, is uncomfortable with something, they can raise their hand and say, this is problematic because of this reason or like this might be triggering for this reason. Um, but like they have created that space to be very open and welcoming toward that. And they leave a lot of like literal like blank space of, of like time for people to think about it and raise their hands if they have an issue and like gather the mm. courage to do that. Um, and I really admire that. And I think that, uh, it can be really, really difficult to build that type of space, but it's really important. And what I especially love about that is multiple times at those meetings, I've seen people have their whole negotiation and go, yeah, this scene ain't going to work for me. Yeah. And go back and sit down. Yeah. And it's totally like, it's fine and it's accepted and role models and like, there's there's not hard feelings or anything. It's like, oh, yeah, we just, this Venn diagram, like, the overlap isn't big enough to build a cute scene in there the way we thought there was. Okay. Yeah, and I genuinely feel like the group and the leaders of the group and the participants of the scene all feel strongly that that's just as valid as if the scene had mm-hmm. gone forward as planned um, and just as worthy of celebration. I mean, I've, I've seen people applaud as folks walk away from a scene they were about to do and then decided not to do. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that is worth applauding. That's really brave and hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that like consent 
negotiations between two people are complicated and more complicated than I think most people want to admit. Yeah. And they have lots of like wibbly wobbly gray areas and there's a lot of places for people to miscommunicate. And the more people you add onto that equation, the like further that is all multiplied and the more true that is. Mm-hmm. Um, that sentence got away from me, but you knew where <laughs> I was going. Yep. Um, it becomes exponentially more complicated. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And I think even just going into the situation with that awareness Mm -hmm. is a strength. Um, And I think recognizing that group sex, particularly the first time that group has had sex together, right? Because you can build up group dynamics, right? If you're having group sex with the same five people for years... Mm -hmm you're going to have understandings of the intricate consent dynamics between those five people. Right. Um, But if it is your first group experience with this group, maybe we don't do anything that's edgy for anyone. Mm -hmm. No intoxicants. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously you cater to the person with the most conservative safety concerns, right, around STIs and uh, around negotiation and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But, like... I don't know. Maybe you don't try anything new. Maybe group sex with these five people for the first time is new enough. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you can be conscious of the risk that you're taking and wade into it cautiously rather than being like, yup, and we're gonna do knife play and fire play and I'm gonna get gangbanged by all of these people and it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Not terrifying at all. <laughs> One more question, uh, mm-hmm. kind of along similar lines, consent stuff. Uh, how do you pull out of group sex during sex without feeling wrong or uncomfortable? Um, and I'll say first, I know that this isn't necessarily the most helpful thing, but it does feel important to say, um, you can stop having sex at any time for any reason or for no reason. Wanting to is a reason. Um, mm-hmm. And anyone who tells you that you're wrong for doing that or who makes you feel wrong for doing that is themselves wrong regardless Mm -hmm. of how right they may think they are. Um, You have my permission to walk right the fuck out of that situation uh, because that's Mm -hmm. disrespectful as hell and uh, not a good person to be having sex with. Um, Mm -hmm. Personally, my tactic in this situation, because this does happen to me a lot in group sex, is like because of being introverted and anxious and also now like I think it would happen even more often because I'm chronically ill so like I have chronic fatigue and chronic pain sometimes I would probably have to tap out I like to just sort of announce it to the room to sort of state matter-of-factly without you know uh making up an excuse that's fake just be like all right I'm done I'm gonna go over there and be on my phone or like I'm gonna sit over there and eat some snacks and read a book or like whatever the fuck it is because I feel like um A large part of my anxiety about doing this is about like how it will be perceived and interpreted. And if I just announce it and announce what I'm doing and even maybe why I'm doing it with great confidence, then nobody's Mm going to be interpreting it. Nobody's going to be like, oh, she walked away. Does that mean that she doesn't like those people anymore or wishes that she hadn't come to the party or whatever? And like, I just like to kind of be proactive about it. Yeah, for sure. I think something that's also helpful is if you can tell the people you're walking away from, mm-hmm. like, their next steps or what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so often I'll, like, and I also do it, like, I don't know, I take great care to maintain that intimacy when I tell them I'm backing off. 
Um, depending on why, like, you may have just come too many times and are just good now and they're just still going and you're like, ah, but, like, I'm tired. I would like some snacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be something bigger than that. Um, but if it is not something where you're like, hey, everyone needs to stop and we need to address this. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to pause and brief divergence, you are allowed to have those moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it is not... It is probably not better for you to storm off in a huff and have a million feelings that you're going to blow up at them later with mm-hmm. and let them keep fucking if you can say, hey, actually, we need to, like, we need to take a moment and I'll talk about this. A new thing came up. Mm-hmm. However, if you are like, I don't want to be in this situation anymore, but keep living your life. Like, <laughs> y'all y'all seem to be having fun. I would like a snack and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Like, my dick's done. I don't know. Um, I have, like, gotten close to someone and, like, given them a kiss or whatever and been like, I'm gonna tap out for a moment. Or I'm just gonna watch now. Like, keep going. Y'all are, like, y'all are really hot. I'm just gonna watch for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, wow, that was great. I'm done. I'm gonna tap out. Um, but I will just, like, get, you know, relatively close to them and still be, like, affectionate, you know, if that is a thing I'm feeling capable of doing, if I'm not, like, tagging out for some, you know, extraneous reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and just say, like, you keep doing what you're doing, or, like, you look really hot, I really love watching this, or, like, you know, actually, I need to go for a walk and take a breather for a minute, I'm gonna be downstairs, I'd love to, like, cuddle with you both when you're done and come see you, or, like, I'm gonna go downstairs and get dessert ready for us, come down when you're ready to have something to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, because you're you're creating that context, and you're also saying, like, you're not being rude if you keep fucking. Mm-hmm. Like, you're allowed to not be done, but also yeah. I am. Yeah. So, like, you're not leaving me out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go. Have, like, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I really like to bring a personal prop of some kind to mm-hmm. sexy parties, whether it's a book or my journal and a pen or even just my phone if it's an environment where phones are allowed. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, they're not. But, um Something that I can do that is solitary that actually like visually signals to other people that I'm doing a thing on my own and I'm fine and don't like I'm not feeling shitty about it or anything. Um, And -hmm. I know it is kind of weird to pull out a book at a sex party and start reading. Um, I had a friend in high school who would bring a book to every party and would just like take some take a moment in the corner when she needed to not sexy parties, just like regular ass parties. Um, (laughs) And I just really admire that. And it has been a really helpful thing for me in a lot of situations, Uh, especially because like once you start doing it, you realize it's not actually as weird as it initially feels uh, Mm. as long as you're, you know, your friends are chill and stuff. Um, And usually my reason for wanting to take a break from group sexy stuff is I'm just feeling overwhelmed and just need to kind of recoup. Um, And, Mm yeah it's really helpful for me to just like go in the corner and stare at a book or my phone until i feel ready to face the crowd again and also um it's helpful to set expectations if it is you come find me when you're done or i will come back and find you when i'm ready to join in again right yep um which of those you expect to happen first is worth sharing Mm mm-hmm um, because if you're like, now nah, I'm done till tomorrow, like, <laughs> and they're like, they're coming back. We don't want to like wrap up and then have them feel like they missed out. And then your friends are just fucking for the rest of the evening and you have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're tired and dehydrated. It's a mess. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Dildorks. Um, 
one day we'll be able to have group sex again. That is my wish for humanity. <laughs> we have to. I have to get DP'd. Yeah. I've been doing this shit for years. <laughs> still. I've been offered to be DP'd by two different duos of men, and it has never come to pass. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it happen at some point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's there's lots of life left to live. Uh, I have been Kate Sloan. I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net. I write a weekly newsletter at katesloan.substack.com. This past week's newsletter was about how I wish I could dress like it's Valentine's Day every day and how I'm thinking about redoing my wardrobe a little bit so that I can. Because uh, life's too fucking short to not wear red and pink and hearts on your person all day every day if that's what you want to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff? I'm Bex. You can find my writing and information about my workshops at BexTalkSex.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BexTalkSex. I'm also naked on the internet as Billy Lore, so you can find all of my videos and pictures and other assorted smut at Billy Lore on Twitter and at at JustFor.fans slash Billy Lore and BillyLore.ManyVids.com. Together we're the Dildorks, we're at the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app, and at patreon.com slash the Dildorks, where you can throw money at us and help us keep doing what we're doing. Thank you so much to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. 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 I think, well, I know, um, a lot of my, let me figure out how I want to tactfully discuss my childhood trauma on this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's just, I have that battle almost every week. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Max was texting me from the family Zoom, and he was like, it's so awkward, I think I'm going to bail. Um, and then I asked him what was going on and he was like, our aunt has been trying to turn on her video for literally half an hour.